keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome to Sex Stories. I'm your host, Wyo Lee. It is time to talk about sex now, and this is a podcast where we're going to talk about sex in one-on-one conversations. The hope behind this podcast is that the more comfortable we are in talking about sex, the more we're comfortable with our agency as sexual beings, which might not fix the world, but should at least make it a little bit better. And today on the podcast, my very first guest is my mother. She is a nurse, a nursing instructor, and was a nurse in the Air Force. Hi, Mom. Hi, sweetie. So just to give you listeners a little bit of background on our relationship, we're not one of those families that grew up talking about all the sexy things. I do have friends who, like, talk about their sex lives with their parents. Mom, how would they you just... talk about their sex lives with their parents? Who would do that? So there you go. Yeah. What? So, <laughs> you gotta all the kidding. details. Yeah, there's so much you could know. No. Mom. Really? That's so private. <laughs> so, Mom, how does it feel to be here? It feels a bit awkward. A little uncomfortable. I don't think I'll go into great detail because I think there's some privacy involved. And although I do have an opinion on a lot of things, okay, I'm happy well, to share that. I'm excited to hear those opinions. And can you, would you please tell our dear listeners what your initial response was when I told you about this podcast and then asked you to be my first guest? You really want me to say what I said? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> You're so entertained by that. Yes, I am. And I think it is, and thank you for being here today because I, I think still it shake is, my head. <laughs> I'm shaking, shaking my head. head right now with this look of like, what did I agree to? So I want to start off by just asking, I think it's important to look at kind of our lineage, which is why I'm interested in having you here. I'm interested in that for myself. I want to see if I can get grandma on at some point. <laughs> Don't tell her yet. So I would like to know from you first, what early memories you have of sex as a concept. Do you remember when you first learned what it was? Do you remember any feelings associated with it? Well, you know, it started back in the fifth grade class where they teach you about what girls do and what boys do in terms of the uh, physical aspects and entering puberty and what you could expect. But beyond that... You know, there would be books lying around, The Joy of Sex, or there was another book lying around just to look at, but it was pretty mysterious, mm -hmm. and you, we heard a lot of things from friends, and um, it, was, um, it was one of those things that you knew people had sex, and those, those people that were on that side of the campus usually had more going on than some of us on the other side of the campus in high school, but, you know, my parents never talked about it. It didn't play a big role. So you never got any kind of sex talk or anything like that? No, did you? Did I? Did you? What do you remember? I remember, mostly what I remember is I would share things at the dinner table, stories from patients that we were dealing with at the hospital. The teenage girl who got pregnant and didn't know she was pregnant and how did that happen and and we would share a lot of stories, but it was super indirect. I never sat you kids down and said, now, here's how it happens and here's what you do. I had a lot of books around, had books around for you to look at. I do remember being given a book when I was 10. I think I was 10, asking questions about sex and growing up. Mm -hmm. And it was just a lot of like, it was like written for kids. And it, w it had some 
you know, cartoon, cartoon, cartoon drawings. Right, right. And I remember it described what a crush is. Mm-hmm. Mary likes the way John's hair grows, the way he smiles, the way he laughs. Mm. And I remember reading that. But I remember knowing what sex was when I was four. And I don't remember the specific moment. I just remember thinking, I am four and I know what sex is. And I remember hearing that it is a penis that goes into a vagina and thinking, <laughs> that can't be right. Yeah. And I, I remember that when uh-huh. I was a kid. And so that's my earliest. And I remember that I had no a, no concept other than that, like no feelings associated with it, simply the the medical fact of, or biological fact, I suppose, of what it was. Yeah, and we may have addressed the biology, but certainly not the feelings associated with it and why you would do it and how you would do it and when you would have sex. And But I do remember you and your brother were at a birthday party with Mark and Jason, and you were, Jason was five, and your brother was, no, Jason was six, and your brother was five, and so, yeah, he must have been a little bit older, because you were probably about four. Yeah. So, Jason would have been, doesn't matter, really, nine, and Jonathan would have been eight, but I remember that Jason was making fun of his little brother, who's your age, older than you by three days, and he was saying, oh, Mark's having sex with Karin. Mark's oh. having sex with Karin. <gasps> and I remember going, what? And when I told his mother that, she said, Jason would never say that. And I'm like, well, my kids don't lie because I can't say we beat them, but I said that. <laughs> we they didn't, we they didn't, didn't really beat, beat us. You. But, you know, my kids don't do that because we don't, they don't have a need to. They don't yeah. have a need to hide. We've created pretty trusting relationship. And uh, she stopped talking to me because she couldn't deal with the fact that her son had said that. And I'm like, my kids don't even come up with this stuff on their own. So it was fascinating. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So maybe, you know, I'm wondering if that's when the when maybe when you may have asked yeah. these older kids, yeah. you know, what what do you mean by that? I don't yeah. know. Because also I, I do remember being in high school and you told me never to let a boy pressure me to do anything you know, if a boy just says, I love you and I want to get you naked, that I don't need, that that's not the reason to do it. You didn't give me any other guidelines, but you just said, that's not the reason to do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I never have been pressured. Like, I never let anyone pressure me to do anything that I didn't want to. Yeah. And that may go along with the training I've had as a certified instructor of infant massage. Yeah. So uh, talk to me a little bit about, oh, a little bit about that. That's the neatest thing you can do with your baby. We I teach parents when their babies are about three months old to crawling. Once they're crawling, you can't really grab them. But, And we start about eight weeks if we want. But you go through a whole methodical process of massaging your baby using cold-pressed grapeseed oil. You can use olive oil. Anyway, before we start a massage, we um, have our baby in an active alert um, state, uh, an open state. We have them in a room that's warm. We, we have it comfortable for them and us. And we'll put some cold-pressed grapeseed oil in our hands. We'll rub it to rub our hands together near our baby's ears. And we'll look into their eyes, making eye contact, saying, would you like a massage? Can I give you a massage? And after a while, there's this association when they hear this and see this, that they're going to get lovingly caressed, lovingly touched in a non-threatening way. And I always tell parents that you're always asking permission when you start the massage because you're teaching your children no one can ever touch them without their permission. Should the baby start crying when you do that, turn their head away, arch their back, spit up, 
do any of those behaviors that kind of indicate that they are not interested, you should respect that and say, okay, maybe another time. But if they are like their eyes are open and you can tell and their face is bright, you we start with a least vulnerable part of the body, which is, are the legs, and we massage from the hip down to the toes. And there's a whole bunch of different strokes that you do. But it's huge. And I hope parents continue to carry that out. I've been doing this since about 2001. And I hope parents are teaching their children that because really nobody can touch our bodies without our permission. Yeah. And I'm super lucky that I was raised in such a loving, safe environment. Both of my parents on our idyllic little farm in Central California, I never had boundaries crossed when I was growing up. And so for me as an adult, I've been sort of like, what are these things, boundaries that people talk about? What, what, what do they do? Why do I need them? And in many ways, I've luckily not had trouble upholding my own ones, but I'm hearing more and more. And one of the reasons that I'm asking people to talk about sex now is because other people have a hard time with boundaries and stuff. It's, it's critical that it be discussed openly. And every woman, every man, anybody who is at risk of being violated needs permission needs to know that they only need to do what they want to do. And sex, sex is fabulous, but it needs to be happening between two consenting adults. I don't care what sex you are. You need to be consenting. And ideally, okay, maybe I'm old here, but you know, ideally without the pressures of alcohol or drugs on board because you want to be in a state of true passion. I don't know if you need love. It's better to have love. It's better to have like, but that's within those two people. I, I can't prescript for them what's ideal. Totally. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear you talk a little bit about your experience in the Air Force, about, you know, just what it's like to be in your 20s to have, you know, I don't know, girlfriends when you were growing up. Do you remember like hearing about your friends' sexual experiences or anything that stuck out to you? Or even you had an older brother. Did he ever talk about anything with you? No, you know, he really didn't. Um, and he lived in a household full of, with four guys up in Fort Collins, Colorado. You know, usually with men, you'll often hear about conquests or exciting things. And we kind of were a private family. Mm -hmm. I mean, my parents didn't even talk. I didn't even know what a BM was until I went to nursing school. So we didn't talk about anything like physical related. What is a BM? What? Why do you ask, sweetie? Are you are you referring to bowel movement? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. Now are you making fun of me? No, I mean, I'm, we said number two. I'm asking because I just wanted to make sure that we were talking about okay. the same thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and in one time after I learned the word penis and I'd say it in the house, oh, daddy has a penis and mom has a vagina. Oh, my gosh. You should have seen them react. So What did they do? Oh, we don't talk about that. Oh, okay. Penis, penis. Daddy's, men have penises. Women have vaginas. We don't talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I stopped. But, you know, when you want to get a rise out of them. <laughs> It's kind of fun in class. We used to have a nursing instructor that she could tell, you know, never have a two o'clock in the afternoon class. But when the students kind of like it's three o'clock, this dead zone, the diurnal low, she would say, yes, and men have penises and women have vaginas. And she would just wake up the class and they're like, whoa, I was just dozing off. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> you know, the, the words for many people are taboo. And, you know, everybody has their own words, too, to describe private body parts. So it's kind of interesting when you hear what different people say. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Have you ever in your experience as a nurse and my mother worked in labor delivery for 
like that was your specialty, right? Mm -hmm. For most years. Mm -hmm. Were you ever with a patient who did not know what their body was or how they got pregnant? Yeah, we call that denial. And and it is rough for them because their state of awareness is in such a different place than those of us who are healthcare professionals can imagine. But we support them at the level of their need and, you know, provide IV medication to help them get through it, maybe an epidural to help them get through it, and then baby comes out, that that makes it real. And we continue pointing out with a baby lying on their chest soon after birth, you know, we, we point out features of the baby and and make it real for them. I wasn't working this shift. It was in Roseville, California, after we'd come back from being in Germany, that um, my colleagues were talking about a lesbian couple, and they were having a baby, and as she delivered, the partner was providing um, um, massage on the, um, what's our favorite body part? Spacing out right now. Clitoris? Clitoral massage at the same time the baby's being born. Now, I personally don't, I think that would be an overwhelming experience, but somehow they felt this would maximize the sexuality of this birth. And of course, you just have to realize we're all many, we're judgmental on the inside. We won't portray it on the outside. We all have our beliefs, but we talked about that one for a while. And, you know, I don't walk in their shoes. I don't feel what they feel. I imagine that was really intense, though. So it's interesting what people do, and you're like, really? Okay, let me hold back my judgment, but let me support them. And we always say, you know, supporting you at the level of your need. And, um, okay, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. This is the experience you want. I mean, some people want their baby to be born and be put into a nice warm bathtub. Some, most of us try to promote skin to skin when a baby's born. You do know your father and I had sex three times, right? Three times. Yeah. yeah. Because but just three. Three children, had three times. Yeah. That's, that's all I know you can think about. So <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yep, exactly. I will tell you studies do indicate that Couples are happiest having intercourse two to three times per week, and that's another story. Well, I have a question, and you don't need to answer personally if you don't want to, but you are welcome to share anything on here, of course. I hear over and over again from people that once they get married, sex stops. Would you say that's true for your friends? No. No. It's, um, it, it continues on at first. I mean... I've had friends who got married as virgins, and then they said the first year of life was actually pretty rough, learning how to work with each other, learning what pleases each other, trying to to understand the pleasures themselves. But no, I think most people I know understand what a, a wonderful physical relief that sex is, and, you know, they will... Many people plan it into their lives. They plan a date night. They plan a sex night. They plan whatever... But I don't think it decreases. I think it decreases once you have a child, especially if you're breastfeeding. The hormones change, the drives, sexual drives change, the exhaustion takes place, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, then you have to talk about that. And we do discuss frequently. I, I would talk even with my, my parents in infant massage classes that, um, you know, this baby's here because you loved each other and you showed that love and now you have a baby and don't lose that special part of your life because, you know, you still need that. You enjoy that. And 
oftentimes it opens up discussions that they didn't really want to approach because people are oftentimes, you know, communication is difficult anyway for many of us. Communication is uh, an ongoing process, learning how to be better at communication for most people. Totally. Mm-hmm. So you're saying your friends do still have sex, but you guys don't talk about it is what I'm hearing. Well, yeah. Well, no. Yeah, you're right. We don't. But we you don't know talk that about they do? How do you know then? Do you oh, get raunchy details? And no. did you ever? We don't do raunchy details. And we talk about what, oh my gosh. Oh no, we won't even go there. But we talk about um, frequency. <laughs> we don't talk about locations. We talk about as you get older, reach menopause, move on. Needs what does to, that mean? How, how you make ex- more exciting experiences. When you're young, your hormones are such that you have vaginal lubrication, even with a mere lip stimulation, kissing, fondling, all these things will help make the experience heightened. As you get older, I I suppose it relates to the procreation. You just don't have those juices flowing quite as much. So you have to make more effort to make it a a good experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for anyone who has watched Grace and Frankie, we know that they... On their, have you watched that show at all? They, they, so that's Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda's show on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And their characters are in their 70s and they develop a vibrator for women who have arthritic hands. Oh, and so that's a big, a big that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's great. That's reality. <laughs> One can hope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's great. Um, so, is there anything that you want to ask me, Mom? I want to give you an opportunity to make me uncomfortable. I'll share anything that you want to know. I don't necessarily recommend that you listen to this podcast, but you're invited to. <laughs> Killing me, sweetie. Ask me anything, Killing Mom. Me. Uh, why did you want to do this podcast? So I'm doing this podcast because I think that it is uncomfortable for many people to talk about sex. And I think that that is particularly harmful for women Mm -hmm. the less we talk about sex the less comfortable we are with it and the less likely we are to express explicitly our own desires and lately there has been so much with women who have the experience of not feeling comfortable speaking up and men too men too men have been violated as well yeah Yeah. Men have also been violated. What we're seeing over and over again are victims feeling like they don't know how to speak up. And well, victims pressured to have sex to get a job. Yeah. And that is tragic. That is power play. That is control. That is appalling. Yeah. It's definitely not. I'm glad it's being brought to light. And there is also, though, a problem with people saying, well, they should just say no. They should just stand up for themselves. They should just do this. Because that does place all of the responsibility on them, which is not okay. Mm -hmm. So my idea here is that the more we talk about it, the more we get comfortable talking about sex helps us so that when people are on a date long, long before they are getting to the point, hopefully, where they are having sex. I don't know if you know this, mom, but there is a casual dating culture Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff happening on the dating apps. I'm not on them. That's not my style, but I have lots of friends who are and there is this expectation oftentimes that people are just going to meet to hook up which often includes sex Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know this term yeah i know the term okay (laughs) just 
checking. I'm not that out of it, sweetie. Yeah, but oftentimes dad will say, oh, you're going to go hook up with some friends? And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's yeah. an expression too, but that's an old people expression, <laughs> exactly. I guess. Exactly. So yeah. I'm clarifying. We know there's two, two innuendos, yeah. So my idea is that if people can get so comfortable that when they're on a date, they're able to express their desires or lack thereof, I think we will have a better dating culture. I think people are more likely, and even if even if not that, if we get more comfortable talking about sex, then we get better practice at telling people what we like. I know so many girlfriends who have talked about how they pretend to enjoy stuff because they don't know how to give direction. And I know tons of dudes who think they're doing a good job, but are a little bit oblivious. Like when I'm listening to them describe what they're doing, I'm sort of like, Really? You only put the tongue on the clit? You didn't put it anywhere else? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you know, we really need to be in charge of intercourse, the sex act, call it what you want. Because I do think men want to please women and we want to please men. But they don't get it and they don't know our bodies and they don't know what's sensitive. My biggest concern with casual sex, though, is not just pregnancy. It is disease, transmission. When you think about the number of sexually transmitted infections that right now syphilis is on the rise of all things, easily treated, but it's on the rise, and we don't want that happening. I, I really want to. Well, totally, I, but that's I want why people to know about protected sex. That's as a why woman, we have to talk about it. We have to tell them, yeah, I'll have sex, but foam and condoms, or you list whatever you want, just because you're using the pill to protect yourself. You, it doesn't help you as a woman unless they're using a condom. They can infect your columnar epithelium, this this specific layer of tissue in your vagina. They can infect you, and over time, you can have cellular changes, and it can cause long-term problems. Totally. And I think if people got more comfortable talking about sex, when oh, yeah. it came time to have sex, they would be more comfortable to say, no, not without a condom. That's right. And so I think... I. I know, well, if you love me, baby, I'll put you. But even you if know. even if it's not so that, I know I so many girlfriends. Not even about love. I'm I'm talking casual relationships where I have talked to so many women who have who have said, "What about just this once? Just mm. le- just this once. Let me put it in just this once without a condom." Oh my goodness! And it's what do you mean just this once? Oh my so, goodness! Oh, that's so all that's it takes a big for infection. Problem. Yeah, of course. And so. I think casual sex can be fine if we, and people also don't realize that sexually transmitted diseases can be transmitted through saliva, through going down on each other, not through sex. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, and, and I know dudes who would be like, oh, I would never use a condom for a blowjob. And because we don't talk about it, we're too uncomfortable oftentimes to say anything. So I want to bring this out into the light and make it less uncomfortable. I do hope that Future guests will tell me some personal raunchy details. My my mother has made it clear to me that she doesn't want to share too much, but I would love to hear anything you will share with me, Mom. What do you want to know, sweetie? You want to know about the first time? That's private. Yeah, you want to know about that's the second okay time? That's private. that's private. But <laughs> he was really sweet. He actually asked permission. The first guy was at a um, drive-in theater, and we won't even go there. But I do have a friend that recently went through a divorce, and it was a rough marriage. You know, it was one of those where they were on the same page. We thought he was a great guy. And over time, 25 years, the marriage deteriorated. Uh, He was doing what he wanted to do, not taking into account what she wanted to do. She said, you know, I'd like to go to counseling. I don't think we're connecting. Although they had sex every morning at 4.30 a.m. 
because that's what he wanted. And I said, well, did you want it? And she's like, well, no, I'm always tired. And she's a stay-at-home mom raising four children. And she had a lot of responsibility. She did the books for his office, the counting, and she had a lot going on. But every morning, and I said, if you don't want it, you know that's rape. Oh, no, he would never rape me. I guess I said, okay. It's like, okay. Well, they were, um, their marriage was going downhill, but she had said, well, I'm not sure. I don't think our marriage is going to last. He took her to a conference by Gary Chapman. He's a great author who wrote Five Languages of Love. And he talks about there are five languages of love that we express. Uh, there's quality time, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical. Mm-hmm. And in their relationship, she said, oh, our number one is physical. And I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking, Number one physical, is that for you or for him? Our number yeah, one. Yeah, she said our. And uh, she was, she had drunk the Kool Aid at this beautiful conference. She had bought all the books. She'd bought into it. And I, I love the concept. I think it's wonderful. But I wasn't totally convinced that was her number one. Mm-hmm. And long story short, time went on and she realized that wasn't, it, it, it takes everything to maintain a relationship. It takes negotiation from two people, it takes both people doing the dance. But it was interesting because that was a big part for them. Mm -hmm. And um, once she decided that this marriage wasn't going to continue on for a multitude of factors, not ever one thing, not ever one reason. I mean, you've got a lot of time invested in 25 years of a marriage, but just the physical aspects weren't certainly going to hold it together. There has to be respect. There has to be care. There has to be, you know, concern for the other partner. And, And this fellow was basically a narcissist. And so it's hard to have a relationship with a person that's focused on themselves. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that because it was fascinating, her perspective. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I won't talk to you about your daddy in my relationship because it's just pretty much run-of-the-mill American relationship, you know. Will you tell me anything like, have you been to a sex shop or watched a porno or bought anything kinky? No, she's I looking. Oh, guys, I wish you could see her face. <laughs> no, I, you've never been to a sex shop, huh? But I've seen them on TV when they talk about. Do you want to go to a sex shop sometime? No, Empty. don't need to. <laughs> Got you know. Years ago, there was a book that. Why do you need a man when you have a cucumber? I mean, there's all kinds of great toys out there for women. And what did that book say? Oh, cucumbers are great if you get them in the right spot. <laughs> That's all I can recall. Um, sex shops, no, uh-uh. I mean, your daddy's open to anything. The more action, the better, but whatever. This is the most we have ever talked about sex, people. I just want to, like, underline this fact. Do you, do you think everybody out there talks about sex with their parents? I know some people who do, and I know a lot of people who, when I was like, I'm asking my mom, they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> What do these parents tell their kids? I, I just see it as very private and personal, and we'll tell you the big picture, but why not the details. Like, why do you think that that is in our culture? Or what does it feel like to you on the inside? What makes it hard to talk about? Uh, I, I need to know. I don't think you need to know. I think um, it's a very intimate part of life, and uh, that's all I can say. It's intimate. It's private. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you if I, like, this or that more than that or this, I don't think you need to know. I think that's what I like. And I could say, what do you like? But I don't really care. Totally. You know, it's whatever you like. You know, I could ask you, and I will. 
So, you know, you've probably had good sex and bad sex. And if you could change the bad sex or change regrets, what would you do differently? Well, also just to note for our listeners, this is the first time that I have explicitly admitted to my mother that I have had sex. Oh, yeah, that's right. I kind of assumed. She but assumed. I don't really know that because you're single. Yeah, I'm single. Well, and, but I, I had a boyfriend. And even when, do you remember when, when first I was with Tom and he came to visit for Thanksgiving, we had to sleep in separate rooms. And then when we came back to film my first feature film, I was just like, Mom, Dad, he's sleeping in the guest house with me. I just need the support. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first. That was the closest I ever got to explicitly stating that. So I've been really lucky because I'm really good at picking partners. And the bad sex that I've had was when I was younger and I was just trying to figure it out. So uh -huh. I luckily was never very judgmental about myself. I, I sort of always had this kind of point of view of like, hmm, I probably could tell them how to do better, but I don't even know what words to use. And so for mm -hmm. me, it's been a journey of... And actually, just just for fun on our podcast, I'll tell you, I tried to lose my virginity twice <laughs> before I finally did. Wow. Um, I was almost 20 by the time I actually did. And and it was not for lack of trying. But I was also very choosy. Like, I was, I was specific about people. And I appreciate that because, you know what, you want to feel good about yourself. Well, I wanted to make sure I had sex. A, and I wanted to make sure I had someone that would pay attention and do a good job with me. Do a good job. That was that was what I like. That was how well, I was like thinking going into it. I just want women to feel good about themselves and do it when they're ready and yeah. not on somebody else's terms. Always, and that's so important because we shouldn't be pressured. We don't need to be pressured into anything because you know we're not trying to win that male approval or that other female approval, whatever it is, that individual's approval that we want to be with. We. We actually need to focus on ourselves in that experience. Exactly. And so my hope in getting other people to reveal personal details and preferences, which I think a lot of them will do anonymously because it is so vulnerable making. And like you said, nobody needs to know that that is your particular preference. I do believe that. But I think that there is power in people hearing about other people's experiences because I do think we're all very different. And I know... You know, I know some dudes that are like, oh, I know exactly how to go down on a girl and they'll hmm. all start listening. And I'm just like, they're all different. Mm -hmm. They are all different, all and, different. And, and they need to be listening to yes. the woman and what she likes or the partner. Both. Okay. Yeah. It goes both ways. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I have another question for you. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. So how did it feel to hear? Do you remember about two years ago? I was home and it was very early in the morning and you were, you'd woken me up. It was like seven o'clock in the morning and you were complaining about the fact that Christine hadn't come home again. Oh, yeah. And then you were asking me, was I seeing anyone yet? And this was after my second breakup with my most recent ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And you kept asking me like, well, what about that nice boy? Do you still talk to him? And I was like, yeah, we're just friends. I don't know. And finally you were like, well, sweetie, I think you're just not giving boys a chance. And I remember saying something like, well, maybe I don't want to be with a boy, mom. And then I started crying and told you about this couple that I had cheated on my ex-boyfriend with. They seduced you. Well, 
Was there alcohol involved? No. There wasn't? I barely drink. Oh, wow. I <laughs> thought that's what put your, took your inhibitions off. Uh, no, maybe half a glass of wine, but nothing to, I was in my right mind. Mm -hmm. But how did it feel to hear that I, that I had been with a couple? Also, do you remember your response? I don't remember my response. I just remember thinking, oh, wow. Um, I kind of felt sad for you. And then I felt, I, I, I hoped inside that you weren't regretting it. And what do you recall? Your response was, oh, well, threesomes can be fun. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> you didn't know what to say. But it was so sweet. and They can be. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably how you said it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious, what did it feel like to hear that I'd been with a woman? It uh, doesn't upset me. I mean... You know, I think many people don't know if they're bisexual or not, heterosexual. Do we do we have to go around saying what we are? We don't sometimes even know. Um, I know a lot of people. We have to experiment and figure it out. And I just, I just don't know the appeal. I think penises are much nicer than trying to match up <laughs> clitoris to clit. I mean, I don't honestly know how women please each other. Wait, wait. Did you say trying to match up clitoris to clitoris? Yeah. Is that what you do? I have no idea. I've always just had my share of penis, uh, my, you know, daddy's penis in the last 30-something years, of course. But, uh, yeah, I, I have no clue. Okay, I could imagine, but I don't go there either. Oh, that's great. Again, it's an individual personal thing, and you pursue whatever you're interested in pursuing. I have all kinds of friends whose kids are gay. And, you know, it works out. They're all happy people, and they work it out. Totally. And was there also a time when I was a teenager where you thought I was a lesbian? Oh, yeah, there was. And why was that? Because you spent time with all these girlfriends and you didn't really have any guy friends. And, you know, it's interesting when we start judging people like that because, first, nobody wants you to be with a guy because if you're doing too much or we suspect it, then you're a slut. And then nobody wants you to be with a girl because then, oh, my gosh, you're a lesbian. And is that, I mean, you were talking years ago. You know, it, there's always this judgment going on. You can't win sometimes. Yeah. That's why I think it's private and personal and, you know, well, what's I good just, for you is good for you. Yeah. And I feel lucky to have a parent, well, two parents that feel that way. And also just I identify, I guess if I have to label it, I think I say I'm pansexual because I just fall in love with whoever I fall in love with. And mm. I fell in love with that woman, like mm. super duper. And so I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I was as shocked by it as anyone yeah, is it love or infatuation? Because she was pretty oh, bright. Was, oh, it was love. It was for a while. It was like, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if who knows what love is anyway. Mm -hmm. But it was what I had called that It's before. an intense feeling, that's it for sure. It's an intense feeling. So I want to know from you. I guess we actually kind of covered that. Let's All right, see. we're done. No, we need, a, we need a good wrap up question. Okay, wrap up. Because we need to go back to Disneyland. Oh, I know, I know, I know, but I'm thinking. What do you hope to have happen with future podcasts? For future podcasts, I do want people to tell me all their lurid dirty, details, dirty, raunchy, weird details, likes, dislikes, maybe traumas. I am so curious about people's early experiences and just what they thought sex was. 
I remember making Barbie's scissor like this. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the two fingers into each other, scissoring. And I remember thinking, what if people get stuck? Do they have to walk around on their hands? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was is. like what I imagined. Yeah. That and there was no, for me, like the idea of sexual, like the sexual part of it just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand anything around that. What age do you think is a good age for kids to start learning about sex and why? I think as young as possible. I mean, four, five, six, they can they can start learning about it. That's why some people, you know, if your dog has puppies, if your cat has kittens, if we see, you know, goats attaching themselves to each other, bulls, uh, you know, with a cow, we talk about it. And this is, but this is life. And, you know, we're, we're coming from America being puritanical and contrasting with Europe a little bit more open and a lot of their beliefs and attitudes. It's a personal thing. How open do you want to be or how close do you want to be? And just being open-minded is, is a great thing. But again, it's an individual thing for each person, each couple. And do you plan on listening to this podcast? I don't know yet. <laughs> oh, your other episodes, I, since I know what happened here, I'm done with this one. But yeah, I do want to hear about future. Even if they include my raunchy details? Um, I don't know if I need that. Because again, that's you and you have a need to express it. I don't know if I have a need to hear about it. Well, I'm not out there just to be like, hey, mom, guess what I did yesterday. But, <laughs> but... I want to share with people so that they can feel empowered to make their own choices. And okay. I, I do really think just learning about the the vast array of different likes and dislikes and truly just being non-judgmental about it is can only be good for the world. That's what I believe. Um, I did want to know why you wanted to do it and and what you had to share with people or what people could learn from it because I'm all so about much the learning. It's about me. It's about, yeah. I think... Also just finding, I mean, if you, if you got a group of 50 or a hundred women together and had each of them describe separately the way that they orgasm most easily or their favorite way or all the different ways that they like, and then you had a bunch of dudes, lover, potential lovers, listen to that, I think it would then give some understanding to people having sex. Or, I mean, I'm, I'm being heteronormative when I'm talking, but... It applies, I think, all directions. It um, does apply all directions. You know, you, you hear that there is a vast array of variants. And I love Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are. And mm -hmm. I tell everybody to read it as often as I can because the underlying theme is you are normal unless you are in pain mm -hmm. or unless you are harming someone with your sexual proclivities. You are normal. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to... I mean, I think the more in our world that we can take away the judgment and get to know each other one-on-one, -on -one, then the better our world will be. Oh, I agree. And I do need to tell you, women will enjoy these discussions. Men, if they listen to them, they would say, less talk, more action. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get some more action on future episodes where people feel safe under the cloak of anonymity. I did not give my mother that option. 